the Scriptures. Isaiah 24, verses 1 through 5 to start, and we'll be looking at the whole chapter this evening. As we work our way line by line, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through the book of Isaiah. Verse 1 says, Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury too. And the land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the Lord hath spoken this word. The earth mourneth and fadeth away, the world languisheth and fadeth away, the haughty people of the earth do languish. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they have, look here, transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. The title of the Bible study tonight is this, the Lord will judge his enemies. The Lord will judge his enemies. Sometimes it seems like the wicked are just getting away with being wicked. Sometimes it seems like the wicked are being wicked and there's no punishment on the wicked. And uh, almost like God uh, is is letting it go. He's he's letting it slide, but no, indeed God one day will judge his enemies and what a great judgment it will be. Tonight we're going to see that Isaiah 24 is a prophecy of end times. It's a prophecy of both the great uh, tribulation and I believe uh, the end of the millennial reign where the heaven and earth are burned with a fervent fire. And so we'll look at this in detail. Let's pray together tonight. Lord, help us Give us a a discerning heart. Give us a listening ear. And Lord, help us not only to understand the technical uh, 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 interpretation of the passage, but help us to make applications that that affect our day-to-day living. And Lord, help us to leave here determined to be better Christians. Uh, Lord, I can't imagine where I would be without church and without the church family to help hold me accountable to what's right and your word being taught and explained and understood. Lord, help all of us here tonight to leave here determined to be just a little bit more uh, into the image and likeness of your son, to be a little bit better uh, in our Christian walk. And Lord, encourage us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We have spent the last half a dozen to dozen weeks, I would say dozen plus weeks, looking at the 11 uh, burdens laid out in the book of Isaiah and 11 different countries that either are neighbors to, were neighbors to Israel or had some contact with Israel, a burden or a judgment was laid out against those 11 nations. And now the uh, attention is turned away from the burden to these individual nations where a prophecy is given, most of which, if not all of which, have already been fulfilled. We turn our attention to a prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled. A prophecy that I believe will be fulfilled uh, in the very near future. A prophecy that will be filled, fulfilled throughout the Great Tribulation. And as I said a moment ago, at the conclusion of the millennial reign of 
of Christ. Isaiah 24 uh, is the first chapter, I believe, in the Bible of what Jesus makes clear in teachings like Matthew 24 and Peter makes clear in 2 Peter 3 and John makes clear through the writing of Revelation. We'll be looking at all of those places tonight and laying those up against Isaiah 24 in order to provide for us more clarity on the chapter. And that one day, one day God will take this rebellious world and He will punish it. He will take this rebellious world and He will punish it. I look around today at a, at a world that is filled with sin and celebrates sin. And they are, they are rebellious against a holy God in heaven. They don't want to come under His rules, and so what do they do? They dismiss His existence and they delude His Bible. They discredit Him every way they can. And listen, while the world is in utter rebellion against God, one day God is going to come down and He is um, in person going to hold these folks accountable and He's going to hold accountable Satan who is at the helm leading the charge, the father of all lies. Satan in the Bible is compared to three animals. He's compared to a serpent in the book of Genesis. Uh, he's, he's compared to a dragon in various places in the Bible. He's compared to a lion, and those three animals describe Satan. He is looking to deceive. He is looking to devour. He is looking to destroy. And one day, Satan will be destroyed. One day, Satan will be held accountable. One day, Satan will be punished. And Isaiah 24 uh, is a chapter that is both gloomy and happy. It is gloomy and happy. It is gloomy for those who are living in rebellion against God. Boy, this chapter ought to strike fear in the heart of anyone who is living in rebellion against the Holy God. But to those of us who are doing our best to follow God and love God and, and be obedient to God, this chapter ought to strike joy in our hearts that one day we will stand in the presence of God and we will rejoice while Satan and his minions and, and, and all of those who have followed Satan in that rebellion are punished as a result of their rebellion against a holy God. And so tonight we will see how all of this unfolds and how this was predicted by Isaiah and then further explained by other great men who helped write the Bible. Let's jump into the outline tonight and let's look at five thoughts about the Lord and how He will judge His enemies. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, line by line, let's look at number one, the earth's destruction. The earth's destruction. Look with me at verse number 1. And let's read again through verse number 4. Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. This is speaking of the great tribulation. This is speaking of the destruction of the planet. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest. As with the servant, so with his master. As with the maid, so with her mistress. As with the buyer, so with the seller. As with the lender, so with the borrower. As with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to him. The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled. For the Lord hath spoken this word. The earth mourneth and fadeth away, the world languisheth and fadeth away, the haughty people of the earth do language, uh, languish. Now, uh, quickly here, the word uh, for, the, the Hebrew word given for world, 
earth, land, are all the same root word, are all the same word in the Hebrew. And that word is found well over 20 times in this chapter. And some have questioned, is that word talking about a region on planet earth? Or is it talking about the entire planet? And I believe if you are intellectually honest and you read Isaiah 24 and you understand, this is not just talking about a country. This is talking about an utter destruction that is going to come to the entire planet. Turn over to Second Peter chapter 3. In your Bible, 2 Peter chapter 3, and look with me at verse number 9. 2 Peter 3 and verse number 9. Now, many people have read 2 Peter 3, the verses I'm going to read you, and they have dismissed it to be allegorical uh, and not to be taken literal. I'm just going to tell you all, I take the Bible literal unless it is obvious that God does not want us to take it literal. And uh, when you lay 2 Peter 3 up against what we just read in Isaiah 24, I don't think there's any question that one day God is going to completely destroy this planet with fire. Look at verse number 9, and we're going to read down through verse number 14. The Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Let me pause there quickly. That term, day of the Lord, you find all throughout the prophecy books, both the major and minor prophets. You especially find that phrase, day of the Lord, when you get in the book of Joel and the book of Zechariah. Day of the Lord, day of the Lord. What is the day of the Lord? That is a reference to the tribulation period all the way up through the end of the millennial reign of Christ. Now, as I said a moment ago, the day of the Lord strikes fear in those living in rebellion to God, but the day of the Lord is to be celebrated for us because as our King, King Jesus, coming down and bringing rule and law and order to a world that is an utter rebellion to the laws of God, the day of the Lord. Look back at verse number 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. There's the destruction of the earth. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. I call that global warming. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved with what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness looking for and hasting unto the coming of the, there it is, day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to the promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless there's coming a day where this planet that we live on is going to be utterly destroyed god is going to destroy now i want to make sure i take a moment here and address something that i believe becomes a big distraction for many christians now god has told us that we are to have dominion over the earth and over the animals dominion over the earth and over the animals. God has given us uh, the responsibility of being good stewards. All right? I am, a, I am an advocate against littering. I think it is bad to throw your trash out of the window of your car on the road. I think it's bad to throw your gum wrapper on the, on the, on the sidewalk. Uh, I think it's bad to pollute the oceans. I do. Now, I don't feel that way because I'm an environmentalist. Because I believe environmentalists worship the planet. 
But I believe that this planet God has given us, and we ought to, we ought to take care of it. Now, uh, I have no respect for someone who trashes the house they live in. I just think that's nasty. Throw your trash out. Vacuum the floor, right? Wash the dishes in your sink. And, and I think, likewise, we shouldn't treat the planet any different than we should treat our houses. I think we should take care of the planet. Uh, but again, the earth is not to be worshipped. It's, it's for us to have dominion over and be good stewards and to take care of it. There are many people who get, many good people who are Christians who get distracted and fall into the green uh, worship the planet attitude. And I just have to say, be very, very careful about that. You can go all throughout pagan history and you can see people that worship trees and worship the moon and worship the sun. In fact, you don't have to look very far. Uh, We call Sunday Sunday because it is Greek mythology of the day you worship the sun. And we call Monday Monday because in Greek mythology, that's the day where we worship the moon. And Thursday because that's the day where they worship Thor. And uh, uh, even the months of the year are named after uh, goddesses within the Greek world. Mythology is everywhere and paganism is everywhere. And listen, Christian, you have to be careful not to get sucked into this thing where we're worshiping planet Earth and we're fearful of global warming. Again, global warming is going to come when the Lord lights this planet on fire and utterly destroys it. Until then, I don't think we have much to worry about. Do you know that in the the state that planet Earth is currently in, it is going to make it through at least another thousand and seven years. The seven-year tribulation plus the thousand years that the Lord will rule and reign. I don't think we have to worry about planet Earth burning up and disappearing tomorrow. I don't think we need to be utterly worried about all of that. I don't believe we need to uh, jump on the global warming bandwagon. I think we need, to be, uh, we need to be wiser than that. We need to be more careful than that. Again, I think it's important we're good stewards of planet Earth. I think it's very careful we fall into the trap of worshiping planet Earth. One day God is going to destroy this Earth with a fervent heat. One more quick observation before we move on. To number two, have you ever noticed that Satan loves to do everything in reverse that God does? I believe in the Big Bang Theory. I believe that one day this world is going to go bang with a big fire. What Satan has done is he has taken the bang at the end of time and he has moved it to the beginning of time. And instead of having the earth world end in a bang, he has the world beginning in a bang. You see what Satan does? He takes what God has in Scripture and he turns it all inside out. He messes it all up and he makes it all very confusing. The earth's destruction. Number two, we see the earth's defilement. The earth's defilement. Look at verse number five with me. Look at verse number five. Our A, B, and C will come out of verse five. It says, The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they have transgressed the laws. They have changed the ordinances. Ordinance. They have Broken the everlasting covenant. Now, if you ever try to guess my blanks, you'll have no problem guessing them because I didn't alliterate these. I just took them right out of Scripture here. Letter A, notice they have transgressed the laws. You have transgressed the laws. Why will one day the earth be destroyed with a fervent heat? Why will one day God light this earth on fire and burn all of it up and the contents thereof? Why will it be no more because of the humanity that God put here and their utter sin and their utter, uh, their, their utter defilement of it? You have transgressed 
the laws. Now, we all understand the idea of uh, someone uh, who is uh, walking on someone else's property, right? You see signs that say no trespassing, right? No trespassing. What does it mean to trespass? That means you are on property that you do not have permission to be on. You are walking somewhere you don't belong. When we transgress, we are walking on to a moral ground that God has told us to stay off of. We are transgressing. We are trespassing on moral ground that is off limits. Turn over to Romans chapter 1 with me. Romans chapter 1. And here's the reason why God will one day destroy the earth with the fervent heat. Romans 1 gives us the slippery slope into debauchery and into a reprobate mind. And we're not going to look at that uh, slippery slope in its totality. You're welcome to do that on your own. But I, I, just a couple of observations from that slippery slope. Look at Romans chapter 1 and look at verse number 18. The Bible says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Look here who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They hold the truth in unrighteousness. What are they doing? They are transgressing the law. They know the truth. We call this the natural law. It's written on our hearts. Did you need to have a Bible to know that lying was a sin when you were a child? How many of you can remember laying in bed at night after telling a lie and getting away with it and having your conscience eat you alive? How many can remember that event? Every one of us can, right? How many can remember stealing something and getting away with it and laying in bed at night and feeling guilty that you had taken something that didn't belong to you? Yeah, I can too. See, God's given us, thou shalt not steal and thou shalt not kill and Thou shalt not commit adultery. You don't need a Bible to tell you that adultery is wrong. If you're married and you fool around on your spouse, you know you're doing wrong. You don't need a Bible to tell you that. You see, we have the laws of God, the moral laws of God written on our hearts. And the Bible says here in Romans 1 that they hold this truth, these natural laws, they hold it in unrighteousness. They know it's wrong, but they do it anyway. Why? Why will God one day destroy this earth? Because humanity as a whole has made popular the idea that transgressing the laws is not only okay, it's to be celebrated. It's to be celebrated. We're to celebrate the fact that we're so sinful. Listen, you can call me whatever name you want to call me. If I choose not to waller in the pig pen of sin that you waller in, you can label me intolerant. You can call me any name you want. But at the end of the day, I will not roll around in the pig pen of admire of unrighteousness and immorality and celebrate it with you. I won't do it. Now, have I ever fallen into sin? Yes. I heard someone say one time, they say, sinners leap into sin and they love it. Christians are to lap into sin and loathe it. Christians are to lap into sin and loathe it. You see, we, uh, why will God one day destroy this earth with the fervent heat? Because the earth has been defiled by people who flat out transgress the laws and just don't care. Look back at verse number, uh, uh, verse number 5 of Isaiah 24. It says, The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they have, look here, transgressed the law. And then the next one, changed the ordinance, changed the 
the ordinance. Letter B, you have changed the ordinance. Go back, or, uh, go back to Romans 1 and look at verse number 22. Romans 1 verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. They have changed the ordinances. They have changed the laws in order to fit their own moral code. There was something that tragic that's happened in our country, um, in, in our Western culture over the last 60, 70, 80 years. And the older I get, the longer I've got to make that span. Um, it used to be in America and in Western culture that you did right because thus saith the Lord. It used to be in the U.S. of A. that you did right because the Ten Commandments said, because the law of God said. You understand that in the U.S. of A. we were built on a Judeo-Christian ethos. How many of you understand what I'm saying tonight? A Judeo-Christian ethos. That means that Moses and Jesus were our heroes. Many, 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 many years ago, Satan used the lies of Hollywood and culture and music to shift us off of do right because the Bible says so to do right for goodness sake. What's the Santa Claus song say? Be good for goodness sake. Be good for goodness sake. And you know what? That might seem innocent enough. Be good for goodness sake. But here's the thing about doing good for goodness sake. Now all of a sudden that we've taken it off of the Bible and God and the Bible is no longer the foundation of right and wrong. Now the culture gets to define morality. The culture gets to change the ordinances and tell us what's right and wrong. I cannot believe that in the last ten years we have shifted to a place that if you hold to a traditional view of marriage, you are labeled a hater and intolerant. When marriage has been defined as one man and one woman for thousands of years... And now all of a sudden in the last ten years, if you hold to the view that's been held for thousands of years, you are intolerant and hateful. Why? We've changed the ordinances. Why will God one day burn up this earth with a fervent heat? Because mankind does not want to follow God in the Bible. They want to do what's convenient. They want to do what's right in their own eyes. And you remember the story in Judges, right? What's the theme of the book of Judges? Every man did that which is right in their own eyes. And how did that turn out? You want to read some weird stuff? Read the book of Judges. I mean, it's filled with some weird, 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 weird stuff. Because every man did that, which is they define their own morality. And one day God will destroy this earth because every man does that which is right in their own eyes. There's a story about a lady who was stuck in traffic. And there were construction cones on a particular highway where a lot of construction had been going on for quite a while. And she was late needed to get where she needed to go. And so she justified and rationalized uh, going around the cones and driving on the new paved highway, even though it was block, blocked off. As far as her eye could see, there was no reason not to be driving on that highway. And uh, after sitting in traffic for 15 or 20 minutes, stop and go, stop and go, and looking at the clock and realizing she was late to where she needed to get, she rationalized going on the other side of the cone and driving and uh, down the way she went 30 40 50 60 miles an hour doing that which was right in her own eyes little did she know that up the hill right over that hill there was a bridge that was not complete by the time she realized it 
she could not put on the brakes. Over the edge of the hill she went, the bridge had not been completed, and to her death she fell. Every man does that which is right in their own eyes, only to lead to their own destruction. Listen, you may not agree with what the Bible says, but believe me, the God of heaven who is eternal and knows what is best wrote it, and he does not want us changing his ordinances. He wants us to follow what is right. Why will God destroy the earth with a fervent heat? Why will he shake the heavens and the earth? Uh, Because we have transgressed the laws. We have changed the ordinances. Notice letter C. It says there, you have broken the everlasting covenant. Take your Bibles over to Genesis chapter number 9. Genesis chapter 9. And we're going to see what covenant exactly here is being talked about. Now you may know the story that in Genesis 6, um, God looked down on man and he repented that he had made it. And every man did that which, uh, uh, that which they chose. The, the, the sons of God married the daughters of men. And they made this quote-unquote superior race. And the Bible says in Genesis, Genesis 6, 5 that the, even the, the every thought of man was only evil. The imagination of their heart was only evil continually. And so God calls Noah and has him build a boat and sends a great flood and destroys the earth with that flood. Look at Genesis chapter 9 and you see that now Noah has come off the ark and we find what has been labeled as the Noahic covenant. Look at verse 11 and the Bible says, And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you, every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow, my rainbow, in the cloud. And it shall be a token of a covenant between me and the earth. Me and the earth. Let's read down through verse 17 here. Um, And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth and that the bow shall be seen in the cloud and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh and the Water shall be no more because of, uh, become, uh, shall be no more become a flood to destroy all flesh and the bow shall be in the cloud and I will look upon it that I may remember look here the everlasting covenant there's that same phraseology we find in Isaiah 24 the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth and God said to Noah this is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. Wow. This gives, this gives us a great perspective of what's going on in today's time. Man became so wicked that God said, I repent that I've even made man. I'm going to wipe out mankind. And then he sees Noah and he spares Noah and saves Noah. And then he looks down at Noah and he says, Noah... I see the sacrifice you're making before me. I'm going to put this rainbow in the sky. A rainbow has uh, seven colors, and uh, uh, Roy G. Biv is how I learned it in school. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. Seven colors in the rainbow. I'm going to give you this rainbow. And listen, Noah, every time I look down at earth and I see that which displeases me, I'm going to look at that rainbow, and I'm going to remember this covenant I'm making with you that I will never destroy the earth with a flood again. Now... I want to give some qualifiers before I launch into what I'm about to say. I don't believe that everyone who uses the rainbow flag to support the gay movement is doing this. I don't believe that everyone, I don't believe most of them are doing this, but I do believe the origin of 
the rainbow flag used by the, uh, the, the gay uh, pride movement. I do believe the origin of it is steeped in this, and I do believe that Satan has a lot to do with this. I find it interesting that the flag that represents a homosexual lifestyle laid out in Romans 1 is the very sign being put back in the face of God of saying, you said you wouldn't destroy us. You said you wouldn't destroy us. You made an everlasting covenant that no matter how wicked we were, you wouldn't destroy us. Here's the rainbow, God. You can't wash us out with water. Isn't that canny? Our rainbow, God's rainbow, is seven colors. There's a six, the number of man. The number of man. And here we are breaking the everlasting covenant with our God. Here we are taunting Him because He promised, even in our wickedness, He would never destroy us with the flood. And by the way, God is not ever going to wipe off planet Earth with the flood again. Next time He's going to use fire and He's going to burn it, burn it, burn it, I would say to the ground, (laughs) burn the ground as well. Burn it completely into ashes. It will be no more. Why is God going to destroy the earth with with fire? Because of our humanity's defilement of it. And God one day will be done. And that's a terrifying thought if you're living a wicked life. But it is an exciting thought if you are part of the saved. Uh, Let's look at number three. Number three, we've seen the earth's destruction, number one. The earth's defilement, number two. Quickly notice number three, the saint's delight. Isaiah chapter number 24, back over there. Give me a moment while I get there. Isaiah 24, and we're going to read from verse 13 through 15 this evening, Isaiah 24, and we're going to see that for the saved, the day of the Lord is not a terrifying thing, it is a terrific thing, it's not a horrible thing, it's uh, it's a happy thing. Isaiah 24, look with me at verse number 13, the Bible says, when thus it shall be in the midst of the land among the people, there shall be as the shaking of an olive tree and as the gleaning grapes when the vintage is done, they shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea. Wherefore, glorify ye the Lord in the fires, even the name of the Lord God of Israel in the isles of the sea. No matter where you're from, there are going to be Christians and saints everywhere on planet earth. They're going to be called up into heaven and they're going to sing a song of praise to the majesty of the Lord. They're not going to be destroyed in the fervent heat. The the saints of God, the, the, the saved of God will be gathered into heaven and while God is destroying the rebellious, boy, those who are the redeemed will rejoice. They will praise God. Let's see that in action in the book of Revelation. Turn over with me to Revelation. Hold your place in Isaiah. Revelation chapter number 5. We're going to be looking at Revelation quite a bit to finish out the message. So put a marker in Revelation 5 because we'll be coming right back to that same area shortly thereafter. Revelation chapter 5, and look with me at verse number 7. Revelation chapter 4, let me kind of give you a timeline of the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2 and 3, you have the the letters written to the seven churches. After the close of Revelation 3, the church is not found anywhere else in the book of Revelation. Why? Because the church is no longer on planet earth. Why do I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture? Because the tribulation begins in Revelation chapter 6. The church is called out in Revelation 4. I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture because the number 4 comes before the number 6. Okay, It really is that simple. 
Revelation 4 happens before Revelation 6. We're going to be out of here when the tribulation begins. Uh, now, between the rapture in 4 and the tribulation kicking off in 6 with that first seal of the title deed of, of earth being opened by the Lamb slain before the foundation of the earth, between those two events, the saints, the church age saints in heaven are going to sing praises to God. Uh, Isaiah 24, verse 13 through 15 will be fulfilled in Revelation chapter number 5. Look at verse number 7. I love this passage. It says, And he came, speaking of the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the earth, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came and took the book, or the title deed of earth, out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders, twelve from the Old Testament, twelve from the New Testament, fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints and they sung a new song saying thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth and I beheld and I heard of many angels round about the throne and the beasts of the elders and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands the millions and millions Millions of people will be involved in, in singing. This is going to verse 12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Put yourself there in heaven. A million plus voice choir singing praise to the Jesus who saved them. Thirteen in every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea. Look at the parallels here from Isaiah 24, 15. And that are, and that are in them heard I saying, Blessed and honored honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever. It's going to be great, isn't it? It's going to be great to stand in heaven while the great tribulation is getting ready to get kicked off on planet earth. We're going to be part of that million voice choir in heaven. Tens of million voice choir in heaven. Now how many here would say, Pastor Lejeune, I can't sing. All right, how many of you there? You know what? You get to heaven. God's going to give you a new voice, and it's going to be pitch perfect, four parts, four part, six part, eight part harmony, and we're going to sing to the Lord. Uh, look, uh, I don't know how many of you have ever been uh, to any any kind of large gathering. I, we do it here at church. Uh, it, you get a small sample size of it here at church. How many of you have ever been here on a Sunday morning? We're belting out, "How great Thou art." Or great is thy faithfulness. And I mean, you can feel the hair on the back of your neck stand up because it's just that good. Imagine adding 10 million voices and singing how great thou art to God. Imagine what that's going to be like. It's going to be awesome. And you know what? The rebellious are going to get punished, but we're going to be in heaven delighting in our God. We see the saints delight. Number four, we see the wicked decimated. The wicked decimated. Go back to verse 16 of Isaiah 24. We're running out of time here. Let's move quickly. Verse 16, the Bible says, From the uttermost part of the earth have we heard songs, even glory to the righteous. But I said, My leanness, my leanness, woe unto me. The treacherous dealers have dealt treacherously. Yea, the treacherous dealers have dealt very 
treacherously. Look at these three items here, fear and the pit and the snare upon thee, O inhabitants of the earth. And it shall come to pass that he who fleeth from the noise of, of, of the fear shall fall into the pit, and he that cometh up out of the midst of the pit shall be taken into the snare, for the windows from on higher open, and the foundation of the earth you shake. I'll stop the reading there. For sake of time, we're going to look at these verses a little at a time. Verse 16 and 17 talk about leanness. It talks about the treacherer dealing treacherously. It talks about fear, pit, and the snare. Turn over to Revelation chapter 6, and look at me at verse number 12. I had you hold your place there in Revelation. I'm going to jump in. We're going to read down to the end of the chapter. It says, And I beheld... When he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell upon the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every freeman hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come. And who shall be able to stand? Please understand that whether you live in a city or out in the country, uh, if, you're, if you live in the urban area or you live in a rural area hidden a long ways from anyone, it won't matter. When the wrath of God is poured out, it's going to be vicious. It's going to be violent. It's going to be ugly. It's not going to be... Uh, enjoyable at all. We see the wicked decimated. Look back with me again at verse uh, number, let's see here, uh, verse number, um, uh, I got, got it here somewhere, verse number 18, Isaiah 24, verse 18. And it shall come to pass that he who fleeth from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit, and he that cometh out of the midst of the pit shall be taken in the snare. For the windows from on high are open, and the foundations of the earth do shake. Now, this is a reference back to the flood, the windows of heaven being open. God poured water down. The, the foundations of below shot water up. This will be different items than water coming down from the heavens and coming up from the foundation. Uh, you say, well, what items are going to be coming? This might be the scariest passage in the entire Bible. We're going to forego uh, Matthew chapter 24 for the moment. Turn over to Revelation chapter 9 for sake of time. Revelation 9. And look at verse number 1. And we're going to read about this fear and pit and snare laid out in Revelation 9. Where uh, John gives us a glimpse into the fear and pit and snare. Look at verse 1. And the fifth angel. This passage makes air on the back of my neck stand up. And the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fall from heaven into the earth, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit. If you wonder what's in hell, here we go. It's the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and upon them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded then that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given uh, that they should not kill them, but that they should uh, be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die. There's the 
fear and pit and snare, um, and, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle, and on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men, and they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions, and they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots, of many horses running to battle, and they had tails like unto scorpions, and they were and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. The fear, the pit, the snare. Now go back and look at verse number uh, verse number eighteen with me again, Isaiah twenty four, and it shall come to pass that he who fleeth from the noise of the fear, you think about those locusts with the sound of their wings. They're feet, uh, fleeing from the noise of the fear of those locusts shall fall into the pit or try to fall into death. They want to cover themselves with a rock. They cannot die. They're not able to die. Uh, shall be taken into the snare for the windows from on a higher open and the foundation of the earth do shake. Look at verse 19. 19 through 22, we're almost done. We're going to wrap it up here very quickly. The earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean, dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall be removed like a cottage and the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it and it shall fall and not rise again. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the hosts of the high ones that are on high and the kings of the earth. These are speaking of the, the, the demonic kings of the earth upon the earth and they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered into the pit and shall be shut up in the prison and after many days shall they be visited. Now, when it's talking about the kings of the earth, I do not personally believe this is speaking of human kings. I believe that Satan right now has this world divided up into regions. And over these regions, he has demonic, uh, uh, demonic kings that are assigned to various regions to oversee his kingdom as right now the earth is under possession of the devil. Those kings and Satan himself will be gathered together at the end of the tribulation and thrown into hell for a time. Turn over to Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 1. Listen, we are flying. I, I, tonight it's drinking out of a fire hydrant. I'm giving out so much information, but I, I, I hope you're getting something out of it. Look at verse number 1, Revelation 20. The Bible says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven. This is the end of the tribulation right before the millennial reign. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon. I love this passage. That old servant, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into a bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should, shall, should be fulfilled. And after that, uh, he must be loosed a little season. Now go back to verse 22 of Isaiah 24. And I want to show you the tie in here. Look here. And they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit. And shall be shut up in the prison. And after many days, that's a thousand years, shall they be visited or be released. And so we see here, uh, again, the rest of the Bible laying out and making clear Isaiah 24. And we finish here. We finish with number five, the Lord's dominion. The Lord's dominion. Look at verse number 23 with me. It says, Then the moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem 
and before his ancients gloriously. Um, There is no doubt, as you read the Bible, that nature knows who their king is. You remember when Jesus came riding in Jerusalem and the Pharisees said, Hey, tell them to be quiet. And Jesus said, If they didn't uh, uh, rejoice at my entrance, the rocks would cry out. You remember when Jesus was in the boat and uh, the waves were tumultuous and He walked out to the edge of the boat and He said, Peace, be still. And immediately the waves calmed and the skies cleared. Nature is obedient to the Lord. And when Jesus is announced as King, the moon and the sun will pay obeisance to Him. They know who their King is. They know who the Lord is. And one day Jesus Christ will rule and reign here on this earth for a thousand years and we are going to get to rule it with him. That's going to be a great day, isn't it? Boy, tonight I want to finish just by saying this. If you have not put your faith and trust in Christ, you have a whole lot to be fearful of. You do not want to be on planet earth when the tribulation begins and the wrath of God pours out. But if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're not the enemy of God. You won't have to fall under that judgment. You're going to be part of that choir in heaven singing and praising God. The thousands of ten thousands and thousands of thousands that will sing and rejoice. Let's stand together to be dismissed with a word of prayer. I hope the Bible study was an encouragement to you tonight. I believe I'm speaking to Christian folk. And listen, keep on keeping on. Uh, Life is hard sometimes, and it kicks us in the mouth, but at the end of the day, we're on the winning side. And we know know from the back of the book who wins. And and, uh, let's just be faithful to our God. Let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. Let's be sent with a word of prayer this evening. And ask God to bless us as we go. Brother Wardonez, please, if you would pray for us.